the Gospels, Jesus tells the famous story of the parable of the talents. Now, if you have heard multiple homilies about this parable, or you've heard people talk about it, you probably realize that most of the time when people think about this parable, they hear the word talent and they naturally start to think of gifting. You know, that God has given me the gift to be able to play guitar or speak or whatever. We need to kind of look closely at this parable and realize that firstly, a talent was a unit of money and it was a lot of money. Okay, so, so one talent was about 15 years wage for a laborer. You know, you could, in our modern language, that's probably about three quarters of a million dollars. So when you've got this story where the boss comes and gives five talents to one of his workers, I want you to just try and imagine, okay, you're at work one day and your boss comes to you and says, I'm going away for six months. Here is $4 million. And he opens up a big briefcase and there is $4 million in cash right in front of you. And the boss says, I want you to use this for the good of the company and I'll talk to you when I get back. That's the basic scenario of this parable. Now, if you put yourself in that position, imagine what your response is. Firstly, you're probably absolutely terrified because you've now just been given $4 million of company money. You know, that's probably more money than you've ever seen in your life. And you may just be so terrified, you want to go home, hide that suitcase under your bed and pretend it's not there. That'd be quite a sensible thing to do. The second temptation as you're driving home would be to realize that you now have more money than you've ever seen in your life and you could just keep driving. Your boss is going to be six months behind before he finds out that you've disappeared with all that cash. You can live a pretty good life in that short time spending $4 million. The third option is the really terrifying one, which is do you take up the responsibility to use that money, invest it, take a risk, because every investment is a risk, and try to make more money? Now, the key point of the story, which I think very often gets missed in the telling, is that when the boss comes back, he explains why he gave the money. The whole thing was a test. The fact that the person who was given five talents has used it well, he, he's made another five, you know, he's made another four million. He is now given responsibility for five cities. Okay, so much more. Really, what God's saying through this parable, what Jesus is trying to say, is that God is going to give us something so big, so amazing, that it does actually terrify us. And it's a test. If you can use it well, you will then be given even more than you can ever imagine. Now, that is important when you try to understand this because Jesus is clearly talking more about your, just your natural gifting. This is more than just the fact that you can sing or play guitar. As, as much as that is a gift, I'm sure it doesn't terrify you in the same way that it's meant to in the story. I wanted to use this parable as a way of breaking open 
the call of discipleship in terms of chastity. If you've been listening to the previous episodes, you'd, you'd be following the fact that I was saying that the three most central parts of who we are are in terms of our sexuality, our sense of security, and our freedom. You know, and so these areas around how we use money, how we use power, and how we use our relationships. Now, if you want a, a clear evidence of why these things are so important, if you have a look at Mark chapter 10, this always fascinates me because what you see is Jesus addressing all three of these areas one after the other as a way of saying, this is the core of who you are as a person and therefore this is central to the question of being a disciple. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus talks to the rich young man and says, sell everything and give to the poor and then come follow me. I will provide. He then says to the disciples, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to become like a little child because the kingdom of heaven belongs to children. It's not about power. In fact, he'll then go on a few sections later to talk to James and John, basically saying, if you want to be great in authority, you've got to humble yourself and become the servant. But then he also talks to the disciples about divorce and marriage, basically saying that, you know, this is central to the whole call of what it means to be human and the great mystery of what it means to follow Christ. So if we can step back now to the parable of the talents. God didn't just give you $4 million. I would suggest that at the core of this, what Jesus is trying to say is that he has placed something of heaven inside of you. If you could sort of use the language that it's like God has taken some of the fire that is what it is to be divine and placed it inside your heart. And then he said... Do something with this which will honour the kingdom. Something which will actually build the life of heaven, the kingdom of God on earth. When we look inside ourselves, we see this massive power for relationship. Human beings are, are built for relationship. It's, it's, there's this overwhelming desire for love. And, and this is basically what we would call our sexuality. We live in a world which these days, whenever we use the word sexuality, we're thinking in terms of physical intimacy and, and particularly in terms of like an exclusive relationship. But it's bigger than that. This is a power to drive relationship with everybody, not only with your spouse, not only with your children, your, your work colleagues, with the, the strangers you meet, with the poor people that you encounter. Anytime you are driven to love, you are driven to reflect the very nature of God, who is love. So as I say, it's like something of the fire of heaven has been placed inside of us. And this overwhelms us. You know, this force, this drive inside the human heart becomes one of the greatest sources of temptation. Because, as with the analogy we used earlier, we suddenly realize that we've been given so much. We either attempted to hide it and ignore it, suppress it, or run away and spend it on ourselves. 
the challenge that Jesus presents to us is can you use this realizing that your life is a test? You have been given a little spark of the divine for the purpose that when you die and rise in glory, you will then be given the fullness of your inheritance. And I think this is the lens through which we need to understand the call of chastity. We have so often talked about chastity in terms of rules. You know, thou shalt not. Don't do this. You know, it's a temptation. This is dirty or impure. And we've really missed the whole point. We've been so focused on building boundaries and fences to stop ourselves going crazy with this gift that we've failed to realize how are we meant to just train ourselves to hold on to fire? You know, because that's really what chastity is. How do you hold on to this without it burning you or without it destroying everybody around you? It's, it really is the, the very essence of self-mastery. Everything I spoke about in previous episodes about self-denial and fasting being about training and, and self-mastery, this is really where it hits home. Can you learn to love even though everything inside of you wants to use this gift for your own goodness? There is that broken part of our heart, that concupiscence, the tentacle word we would use, which is always going to turn inwards. Even though you have set yourself to love your spouse, it will always turn inwards to become selfish, about manipulation, about control. How do we learn to build that fire stronger and more powerful, but in a way that's actually going to go outwards and be life-giving? The other side of this is, is how do we live our lives knowing that this gift is just the tiniest little fragment of what we will eventually be given? You know, because the person in that story of the, of, of the talents, if they thought that this $4 million was the only money they were ever going to have, then they become really tempted to run away with it. But if they knew that if they used this gift correctly, they would be given a hundred times more or a thousand times more, they would quite happily use that money well for the good, for the good of the company. And this, I think, is the core of the question of discipleship. You know, Jesus is trying to say, trust in the resurrection. Trust that there is going to be more. And so you don't have to live out of this limitation mentality, this sense that you're, you're hungry and poor and you've got to get what you can. Rather, we've got to approach this from the perspective that we are, we are rich beyond measure. You know, there is going to be no end of love. The, the more love you give, the more love there will be. And so instead of spending on, on yourself, Jesus is trying to give you the freedom to spend it on others, to love the poor, to love those who hate you, to, to bless those who curse you. The reason he calls us to love in that way is because he's trying to show us how to spend this gift. 
you know, these, these talents, you know, this, this spark of heaven that has been given to us, he's calling us to invest it in the life of the world. And so this is why I would, I would really say, you know, that, that chastity is not just about denying ourselves, but rather it's about changing our whole worldview that we are already living eternity. We are living in the promise of the resurrection, the promise of an enormous gift. We are currently in this battle where God is, God is kind of putting us to the test to see whether we are going to be able to use our inheritance well. If we can't hold on to this small little gift that he's given us, then we don't deserve to receive our inheritance. But if we can use this little gift for the good of the whole world and invest it for the kingdom, then all of eternity will be ours because he knows that we deserve to inherit everything, the whole of the fire of heaven, the glory of God's love into our hearts. That, I think, is the core of the vision of chastity. As I've done with the other episodes, the next episode, I want to look at some of the practicality of this. And what does this actually look like as we live out in our daily life?